Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us in a moment on this week's Visitor's Edition is the radio play-by-play voice of Iowa football, Gary Dolphin. Remember to rate or comment on the program wherever you get your podcast from. I always enjoy hearing your thoughts on the show and anything maize and blue. So you can email me too at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com, and I would love to hear from you. To get us rolling today, here is my view from Section 17. I'm still not sure what our win over Rutgers means. In many ways, it really doesn't matter. We needed to get a win and wash the taste of the Wisconsin game out of our mouths. So in that way, it was a very good win. Saturday against Iowa will tell us more about this team. I've heard the Hawkeyes referred to by various media outlets this week as Wisconsin Light, but they could end up being a better team than the Badgers. Here is an overused word when it comes to football speak these days, identity. But Iowa does know exactly who they are. Now, they don't come at you with anything sexy. They line up and they run right at you. And if you let them do that and have some success, their play-action passing game lights you up. They are a physical, hard-working team. And I've always respected this program. In my youth when Hayden Fry revitalized Iowa football, and now under the direction of, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in college football, Kirk Ferentz. The Hawkeyes also have a very good defense with a couple of NFL-caliber defensive linemen. They are physical in the trenches, try and take the run game away from you, and force you into turnovers. They are a well-coached, rock-solid football team. My guest today says this is a huge barometer game for the Hawkeyes, too, and they will not be intimidated coming into the big house. Iowa Radio play-by-play voice Gary Dolphin joins us next on this week's Visitor's Edition of The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Thank you. 
with us on our visitors segment, and it's been a few years, is uh, Iowa Radio play-by-play voice Gary Dolphin. Great to have you back, Gary. Yeah, good to be with you, Mike. It's It's been a while since these two have uh, been on the field, a couple, what, two, three years. I know Iowa has not played Ohio State uh, in three or four years. Uh, the Hawks do go to Columbus uh, next year. But, uh, you know, it's just the way that with 14 schools now, as yeah. you know, it's the way that schedule rolls out. Some uh, rolls out, somebody rolls off, somebody rolls on uh, every year with the divisional thing. I don't think we're done with restructuring yet. I look for more changes down the road schedule-wise. But uh, it, it's always great to have uh, the Hawks and the Maize and Blue together. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I always do. Uh, playing Iowa's program that does it right. The fan base is just very passionate about their team really is a great fan base, isn't it, Gary? It's uh, terrific. I mean, for a, a small state, uh, you know, it's the smallest public institution in the Big Ten, three million people in the entire state. You've probably got that in your neighborhood up around Detroit. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is a different, uh, a different nut to crack. Uh, and, and, you know, absent of uh, any professional sports teams, other than a few minor league baseball teams, the Cubs have their AAA team in, in Des Moines, which is very well supported. They've got a AAA hockey club there from... Uh, the Dallas, uh, or the, excuse me, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, yeah, it is. The Hawkeyes are kind of the centerpiece, uh, you know, not to slight Iowa State. But you got two uh, terrific major uh, Power Five universities representing two great leagues in the Big Ten and the Big 12. And, you know, the state grinds to a halt every year for that game. Uh, but uh, the, the Hawkeye fans uh, have uh, historically uh, been passionate, and certainly since. Uh, the young lad from uh, Dewajic, Michigan, I hope I got that pronounced right, Forrest Evashevsky, uh, found his way to Iowa in the 50s, and they won uh, several Big Ten titles and several Rose Bowls, and then had a dip. Hayden Fry came in and re-energized the fan base in the late 70s, and, you know, as you know, when you have uh, uh, two head coaches the last 40 years, uh, you can build some consistency, uh, both in the fan base and on the field, and that's what... Uh, Hayden and Kirk Ferentz have done. Well, absolutely. And if you're of a particular age, I mean older, like me, Iowa football means uh, Hayden Fry. I remember uh, Michigan's old radio play-by-play guy, Bob Eufer, used to call him the old riverboat gambler. And so much of (laughs) of what Iowa football uh, is today is because of Coach Fry, isn't it? That and the Big Ten. Uh, You know, one of the, uh, the most interesting stats that I've ever come across, I'm not really a stat guy, but... Uh, you know, prior to Hayden Fry's arrival at Iowa in 1979, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to get the number wrong, but uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, Michigan and o- Ohio State had won or shared every Big Ten championship for the better part of 20 years. And Hayden Fry rolled into town uh, from Texas, and over the next 10 or 12 years, I think it was eight Big Ten schools won or shared a Big Ten championship. Hayden came in and, and really changed the way offense was played more of a wide-open style, uh, not the spread, because he, he still had guys like Ronnie Harmon and David Hudson and Owen Gill and you know, outstanding running backs, but he really uh, revolutionized the tight end position. You know, He stood him up, threw the ball to him a lot. Iowa's had uh, an incredible run of uh, All-American tight ends since Hayden arrived. And then Kirk Ferentz uh, kind of uh, you know polished that a little bit, changed some things, and but over the next, uh, I think it was, what, 80 to 90 or 91, uh, close to eight Big Ten schools, uh, one or shared. It wasn't just the Buckeyes or the Wolverines. Every year they had been dominant for so long. Uh, but uh, when, when Hayden got here, of course, along came Joe Tiller uh, at Purdue. Uh, there were some other coaches that came in and, and uh, 
followed his lead, and 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 that's why this league I still feel is the most entertaining, top to bottom, uh, in the country uh, each and every fall. Well, I agree with that, and I think a lot of us that covered the Big Ten, Gary, uh, would also agree. Coach Ferentz uh, just doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he's done at Iowa. And, you know, I've never understood why that is. Uh, Do you think he's underrated and underappreciated around the conference? I don't know if he's very underappreciated or or underrated. I mean, he's the... uh you know, longest-serving yeah. head football coach in America, and he he loves Iowa. You know, he's a Pittsburgh boy. Um, as a matter of fact, he was born in uh, um, Royal uh, St. Clair. Uh, is that how? I, is that uh, right in Royal Michigan? Oaks. He was yeah, born in Royal, Royal Oaks. Oaks yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. born in Royal Oaks, and grew, grew up in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, he I th- again, I think it goes back to Hayden Fry and his coaching tree, where. Hayden always said, "I don't want to hire anybody that doesn't aspire to be a head coach," and 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 that's a, a great a great nugget to you know apply to everyday life in corporate America or when you get up and go to work every day. You want to be at the top eventually, and and Hayden obviously had a great eye for talent because uh, he now has. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago. He now has more head coaches off his tree than than any school ever, and that includes I think Bear Bryant second and. Bobby Bowden might be third, or Lou Holtz. Uh, so, like, so you can see he's in a he's in a pretty select company, uh, and Kirk happens to be uh, the next one in line. Uh, now, you know, he's going to have uh, Hayden Fry. I speak of will have five Hall of Fame coaches off that original staff, uh, counting himself. You've got Barry Alvarez, Bill Snyder, uh, Bobby Stoops, and Kirk Ferentz. So that's a pretty pretty good well to draw from, and it, it's no small wonder that Iowa at least is consistent. But to your original point, I, I think he is underappreciated for the consistency uh, of uh, bowls. And, and, yeah, we all agree there are too many bowl games, but it is a reward for a season well played. And Iowa's average eight or eight and a half, nine wins a season, and, uh, you know, over, over uh, the last ten years that Kirk's been around, that includes that undefeated season. And, 2015, before they lost that heartbreaker to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, he, he's very consistent in his approach and his mannerisms. Uh, Iowa does it a little bit differently because they don't have the population base or the four and five stars to recruit from uh, like you do uh, in your neighborhood. Uh, he does it with uh, strength and conditioning. He does it with uh, finding guys that can play multiple positions. Uh, he's very uh, astute at going after number one quarterbacks and number two quarterbacks are skill position players that are at the head of their class academically and maybe their team captains for a couple of years and it's always worked well for them well as we know you're mentioning the quarterback uh, a good quarterback can be the difference between a good team and a team that challenges for a championship nate stanley iowa's quarterback a very experienced leader and he's a darn good quarterback isn't he a model of consistency um, you know, not not heavily recruited out of high school. He's uh, uh, comes from Northwest uh, Wisconsin, uh, across the river from the Twin Cities. Uh, and and as soon as Paul Christ got the job at Wisconsin, he tried to get Nate to flip. And and I can I can see why Paul tried to do that when Paul came in here from Pitt a few years back. But Nate kept his commitment. And you know, there's another example uh, outstanding in the classroom, but uh, was a multiple sport star, great basketball player. I mean, he's six foot four. Six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pounds, and he's showing this year a side of him that we haven't seen uh, a lot of, and that is running for first downs. He's not afraid to uh, take off, tuck it, and, and, and go. He had two huge plays, running plays, in the Iowa State game that ultimately helped Iowa save that uh, to, to the victory win- uh, column. <clears throat> 
But to your point, he's 30 yards shy of 1,000 passing yards for the season. Uh, he's upped his uh, percentage of completion to 65%, 64.5. But most notably, he has not turned the ball over. And, and Iowa's plus five in turnovers, uh, Mike, and it has as much to do with Nate Stanley in the offense as it does with the defense. Well, this Iowa offense has been very good so far this year. It's balanced, but it has been running back by committee so far, hasn't it, Gary? Yeah, it has, and, and that really bubbled over last week uh, against, uh, you know, granted, uh, uh, Middle Tennessee, you saw them week mm-hmm. one. Not real good uh, against the run. I mean, they're very undersized, uh, but when they get into Conference USA, uh, I think Coach Stockstill's team will, will do just fine if they stay healthy. But last week we saw uh, Torrin Young emerge. He's more, you'll remember, Sean Green, obviously, from a few years ago, and he's not Sean Green yet. But he, he reminds me a little bit of, uh, um, of LaShawn Daniels, who's that six foot one, 225-pound uh, inside zone power back that can really carry the mail, good speed. Torn's a young guy out of Madison, another one that got away from the Badgers, but he, he's averaging seven yards a carry. He broke loose last week for 150, uh, uh, excuse me, 133 yards, 53 on one play, <clears throat> which was Iowa's longest play from scrimmage this year. Makai Sargent kid out of Florida who's a junior college transfer. Uh, he came in last year, and, and about the last three or four games of the season, the light switch went on in terms of, of the game plan. He, he finally got it down, and he, he's, he's, he's Iowa's best pass catcher. Uh, and then uh, a freshman they're playing a lot. A true freshman is a kid out of uh, uh, the deep south Alabama, or excuse me, Georgia, uh, Tyler Goodson, uh, who uh, I think is about as uh, close to uh, reminding you of Akram Wadley uh, as anybody we've had in a while. So those three guys, uh, you know, Kirk keeps trying to find a go-to back when he can feed the ball to uh, 25 or 30 times a a game, and uh, nobody's really stepped forward. Now, I think Sargent and Young are the two main guys, but this Goodson kid, I'm telling you, he's the real deal. He's he's 5'11", 190, 195 pounds, and uh, came from a great high school program in Georgia, and as you know, they they have pretty good high school football mm-hmm. in the great state of Georgia. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, they've got to make a decision on Tyler. Obviously, they played four games. If he doesn't play Saturday, uh, that's probably a, a red shirt. Perhaps we'll see. Well, as we mentioned, Nate's numbers have been very solid in the passing game, so he has some very good receivers to throw to. Talk about that receiving core and some of the names we're going to see on Saturday. Certainly, that's the uh, the highlight of uh, of the offensive production to this point, and it had to be. Uh, you know the uh, uniqueness of losing two guys, uh, one who's parked in Detroit now, T.J. Uh, Hawkinson, who uh, you're you're just seeing him scratch the surface. He's going to be now. He's got to stay healthy, like they all do in the NFL. But right. I, I think this guy's a great, uh, going to be a great tight end in the NFL. So you lose him and Noah Fant both in the first round from the same position from the same school. That's never happened before. And so that was a a pretty good punch to the gut. Uh, And you think both those guys could have come back. Imagine Iowa's passing game had that happened. But uh, that's the nature of the game today. So Iowa's turned to the wide receivers. And this is my 23rd year of doing Iowa football, uh, present state of uh, operation. And uh, I've followed Iowa football for 40 years. And I don't remember a deeper uh, set of receivers than what Iowa has now. Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset on the outside. This kid, Nico Regani, uh, you're going to love him. Uh, he is a uh, first-year player, returns punts, unbelievable speed. Kid from uh, New England, 
And again, another kid that Ference and his staff found that they've developed, and, and he's really blossoming now. Uh, and then they've got another youngster. Uh, um, he's either a redshirt freshman or a, red, or a sophomore, and Tyrone Tracy, a kid out of Indianapolis, who has come on the last two or three weeks. Uh, they've all got touchdown catches. They've all got multiple receptions. They've all had a great game here or there and, and solid games elsewhere. And then I haven't mentioned Oliver Martin for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't played a whole lot, and I know you're familiar with Oliver. He's uh, you know he's only got a half a dozen catches. He, he's still trying to feel his way. He didn't even know he was going to be eligible until the week of the first game. And not that he wasn't mentally prepared, <clears throat> but uh, obviously there's a lot of guys ahead of him right now that have been in the system for a couple of years. Now, Oliver, we, we think, is going to be outstanding. Obviously, Michigan thought he was going to be a heck of a player, but time will tell on that. Well, overall, though, is the offense farther ahead than everyone thought it would be four games into the season? I, I would say yes because of the uh, because of the wide receiver production. Um, you've got uh, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, obviously, is their primary target. Uh, he's, he's only caught 15 passes, but for a 17-yard average, he can go deep. You know, Nate Nate's able to go vertical more, uh, Mike, because of Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset and Nico Rigani. Uh, Tracy and Oliver Martin, and there, there are some others, Max Cooper, who will come on. Uh, the tight ends are starting to get more involved. Uh, they're certainly not to the level of, uh, of uh, uh, TJ and, and Noah Fant. Uh, and the offensive line, uh, despite uh, 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 kind of like the secondary, uh, been beat up a lot. Uh, kid out of Detroit, who you know I saw earlier in the season, preseason, uh, projected to be a, a, a number one draft pick uh, in the first round. Anyway, uh, Alaric Jackson, uh, he got hurt uh, in game one, a, a knee sprain. He has not been back. I see he's on the uh, roster uh, this week. He could play, but I know Kirk's plan is to not play him. So they moved. Uh, Tristan Wirth from right tackle to left tackle, then they throw him back over at right tackle, and they've got two or three guys that have been playing that position uh, as well as inside. And so it's been kind of a, a mixing bowl, a lot of moving parts in the offensive line. So, But because of that, Iowa has still uh, played well, I think, offensively. They're not scoring the points uh, that uh, they think they should be, but then what offense does? Uh, Iowa State had the best returning defense in the Big 12. Middle Tennessee, okay, they got it going against uh, against the Blue Raiders. Uh, opening day, they were solid against uh, Miami with 38 points and shut out Rutgers 30 to nothing. I, I guess my point is the offense hasn't really been tested by a uh, top to bottom, a solid defense. And, and I know uh, Coach Harbaugh isn't isn't happy where his defense is at yet, but clearly this is going to be the most athletic, uh, fast defense that I was faced at this point. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. The offense is probably ahead of schedule. With us on our visitor segment today, Iowa radio play-by-play voice Gary Dolphin. Gary, over on the defensive side, Iowa ranks third in the Big Ten in points allowed. It's 8.5 points per game they've given up. Only allowed four touchdowns in four games, and maybe they haven't been tested much yet, but those are very impressive statistics. Yeah, and I'm, I'm one of those old-school guys. I look at points allowed. And yeah. uh, with uh, three given up to uh, Middle Tennessee last week, uh, you know, they're, they're below 10 points a game uh, allowed. If you're doing that uh, on a consistent basis, granted the competition ratchets up Saturday, uh, but I think to your point, big picture is uh, this defense was expected to be good, and, and so far it has been good uh, despite a depleted secondary. 
you know, they're missing or they've missed at one time or another uh, three starters uh, that uh, one is back for sure. And I don't know that the other two will be, but they lost, they've lost a lot of good players early to the NFL uh, and uh, uh, to injury you know, the last few years. So they're playing a, a walk-on uh, kid at free safety, Jack Kerner, who's a, a sophomore out of Des Moines, comes from a great high school program, uh, Dowling High School, which has won four or five consecutive state championships. And he's played really well, quite frankly. Uh, he's taking uh, Kevon Merriweather's place, kid out of Michigan, who they really have been grooming to jump in there. And uh, he, he probably will not play on Saturday. Matt Hankins, uh, their right cornerback, uh, yanked a hamstring a few weeks ago, and that's not good for a cornerback when you're favoring a hamstring. So they've, they've moved uh, a true freshman, D.J. Johnson, into that spot. And, and I will tell you, D.J. And, and Jack Kerner have have really played admirably. Uh, Geno Stone is uh, a terrific, strong safety, and Michael Ojemudia, kid from Farmington Hills, has a couple interceptions uh, and uh, is the leading tackler in that secondary. Uh, he, he is a cover corner on that left side, and they'll move him around. But whoever uh, Michigan's favorite receiver is, uh, in Harbaugh's mind anyway, uh, Michael, you can bet, will be on him. So despite all the injuries in the secondary, they, they really have held up their own held their own because of the front seven. You know, Iowa likes to play that uh, 4-2-5 defense, that cash position, extra D-back the last couple years. Uh, But they've not been able, they they couldn't afford to do that, at least to this point, because of the injuries to uh, its secondary. So they've gone back, Phil Parker, you know, Michigan State guy, has gone back to the uh, base 4-3. And why not? He's got, uh, you know, a consensus preseason All-American and A.J. Epinesa, at one defensive end, uh, two young guys out of Detroit who uh, who I love, uh, Chauncey Golston and Cedric Lattimore, they really flashed uh, Mike in the Outback Bowl game against Mississippi State on, on New Year's Day. They really played well, forced a, a turnover or two. Uh, Brady Reef is at the other uh, uh, tackle spot. Uh, if he's healthy, uh, he, he bummed up a knee in practice a week ago, but he is back. How much he plays, I don't know. That's Riley Reef's uh, younger brother. And uh, when Brady did not play last week, they they pushed Davion Nixon in there, a highly recruited kid out of high school who had to spend a year at uh, uh, junior college to get his grades in order. He had seven tackles last week, two and a half for loss and a sack. So this young guy in his first year of major college football has really come on. So they are deep along the defensive front. Uh, They try to play seven or eight guys to to keep them uh, fresh and and I'll give you another little feature. A kid from Hillsdale College uh, transferred into Iowa this year. <laughs> As you know, Iowa doesn't take many grad transfers, but Zach Van Valkenburg uh, is a young guy out of Zeeland, Michigan. Mm-hmm. i got to tell you, I'm not sure where Zeeland is, but uh, uh, he's been playing uh, more and more. And uh, you know, Zach's a great young guy. Uh, the state of Michigan should be proud of that kid. I guess what I'm saying is Iowa's gotten lucky with a lot of good kids out of Michigan here the last few years. and. Hopefully they perform well in their home state Saturday. Well, looking at this Iowa roster, I was uh, looking over uh, special teams, and I thought, oh, my gosh, Keith Duncan, he's still there. And I'm sure a lot of <laughs> Michigan fans remember him, too. Uh, he kicked that 33-yarder that beat us at Kinnick in 2016. Solid, solid kicker, isn't he? He's even more solid now than he was then. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to throw a scare into anybody, because, uh, but but that's just who he is now. Think about this, when he he kicked that field goal against the Wolverines to end the game and that Saturday night mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, got uh, uh, redshirted the next year, 
um, and, and for good reason, uh, because they had Miguel Racinos uh, a year ago, got beat out a year ago, could not could not get ahead of Miguel Racinos. Now, if you're a kicker and you're sitting around for two years, you're probably going to transfer because uh, you want to play. I mean, you, you want to see the field. This kid, who's uh, brilliant in the classroom, uh, stuck with it. He said he learned a lot from Miguel Racinos, who uh, you know literally won the Mississippi State game. I think he had three or four field goals in that game at the Outback Bowl and concluded a terrific career. And Keith Duncan just kept his nose to the grindstone, and look at him now. He, he was perfect up until last week. He missed one uh, last week. I think he kicked uh, two or three. And so he's missed one all year. He's like uh, 17, or excuse me, he's like, uh, I think it's uh, 14 for 15, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. But for his career, uh, he's been uh, near perfect, and he's uh, perfect on point after tries. Now, you've got to have a good long snapper, and you've got to have a good holder. I get all that. But uh, he is a, he's a pleasant interview, soft-spoken kid, quiet, you know, out of North Carolina. I'm not sure what the connection was. Uh, that he found his way to Iowa City, but you can bet it was family-related, relatives in Iowa, something like that. That's typically how we get lucky with a kid like that. And and I can promise you, uh, he could he could be a huge factor on Saturday. Yeah, he, he's 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 got a stronger leg. I mean, he's he's done a lot of weightlifting, uh, a lot of uh, strength and conditioning. And Chris Doyle, as you know, is one of the best in the country mm-hmm. at developing kids' bodies. Now, typically, you don't you don't relate Chris Doyle with a kicker. But uh, his leg, uh, he's got his long is uh, 49. He kicked one of 49 last week, and that's that's a career best for him. He's six for six, uh, 40 to 49 yards. So the longer, uh, the better, uh, as far as Keith Duncan's concerned. So we'll see. Well, Gary, Iowa has won two straight against Michigan, five of the last six games. And uh, I keep telling our fans this. They're not going to be intimidated by a trip to the big house, are they? No. Well, first off, I, I really don't. I really don't get into history, you know, five of six, uh, Michigan won, won, what, 30 of the first 40 or four, <laughs> 35, something like that. Uh, it, it's a new new rosters, uh, new year. Um, I'm just glad that uh, we're playing, uh, the Hawks are playing uh, one of the great traditional programs in all of college football, uh, and Kirk, Kirk made mention of that yesterday, uh, or Tuesday, excuse me, in his uh, uh, press conference. Uh, but it's it's good to see uh, the, these two uh, traditional uh, school uniforms uh, back on the field <clears throat> playing uh, each other. They're they're both uh, you know they're, uh, I know Michigan's gone to more of a, uh, a spread offense, but traditionally they're they're just blue collar guys. Um, you know both Iowa Iowa from an agricultural perspective and Michigan from a manufacturing uh, view. Uh, they're, they're just uh, lunch pail states blue-collar uh, guys that, that come to work and, and do it the right way. And academically, they, they don't sacrifice anything. Uh, but to your second point, uh, Iowa, it's, it's, it's Iowa. I mean, they're, they're, these guys, are not, they're not farmers, at least not all of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're used to hard work. Uh, they'll hear the crowd noise, and, and they'll, be, they'll be excited in pregame warm-ups. So once the game starts, uh, they, they won't be intimidated. They're not intimidated at the horseshoe. They're not intimidated at Camp Randall. Uh, that doesn't mean they're going to win the game, uh, but but they usually play pretty solid. They've been really really good uh, at protecting the football uh, historically under Coach Ferentz, and uh, Norm Parker's defense has become Phil Parker's defense. And 
they they just line up and hit you. And, and uh, no, they won't back down. They won't be intimidated. And, you know, the best team will win the game Saturday. Well, Gary, final question. You've been around uh, the program long enough to know the difference between uh, a decent, a mediocre, or a good Iowa football team. What does your gut tell you about how good this team is or could be this year? Well, right now they're a little north of good. Um, uh, are they great? No, uh, but they're they're good, which means they're solid. Uh, they they take care of the football, and you know historically, uh, you know, p- pick a team: uh, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, you know, Alabama, Penn State, Southern Cal. Typically, uh, great teams, uh, if they're going to be a great team. You know, it starts up front, blocking and tackling. But but I I I don't want to oversimplify it because historically I've heard it. Many Hall of Fame coaches say, if you have a really good quarterback and you have a really good defense, then you got a chance to win championships. Well, Iowa has a really good quarterback, and and I think they've got a solid defense. I'm not ready to to label them outstanding yet. I mean, the numbers would tell you differently, but we'll find out. As uh, Coach Ferentz always likes to say. When you get to October and November in the Big Ten and you're playing in the upper Midwest, you better be able to run the football. So if your listeners are looking for a key early on Saturday, uh, which team runs the football? I know it's simplistic, but uh, that's going to get it done in, in October and November when the temperature drops into the 40s and the winds start to swirl. Well, I agree with that. So uh, we shall see. It's supposed to be a good weather day, a nice uh, early October a Midwestern kind of a day. Partly cloudy, 60 degrees, but we're going to be dry. So that big fan base that's uh, coming in for the game uh, is going to enjoy the day. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we thank you for joining us today. Uh, our guest on our visitor segment has been Iowa Radio play-by-play voice uh, Gary Dolphin. Always a pleasure to uh, have you on the show, Gary, and we look forward to the next visit. We'll, we'll do, Mike. Thanks for having me on anytime, bud. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, nothing new on the injury front. Dylan McCaffrey and Sean McCune are out, as is Josh Ross. Michael Dwumfor should see more playing time. And according to Jay Harbaugh, freshman running back Zach Charbonnet is back to near 100%. Here are some game day notes. In this series, Michigan has won 45, lost 15, and there have been four ties. The first meeting between these two teams was played in Detroit on November 10, 1900, and it was a 20-5 Iowa win. The last time we met was a game we all remember, November 12, 2016 at Iowa. It was a 14-13 last-second win for the Hawkeyes. Kirk Ferris is the Dean of College Coaches in his 21st year as head man there. His record is 152 wins, 101 losses. The Hawkeyes were 9-4 last year, 5-4 in the Big Ten. They beat Mississippi State 27-22 in the Outback Bowl and finished the season ranked number 25 in the AP Poll. They are a perfect 4-0 heading into this weekend's matchup. Kickoff is at 12 noon. It's homecoming, so try to get there early. 
and the weatherman says it will be cloudy with temps hovering around 60, winds gusting from 10 to 15 miles per hour. But we're supposed to stay dry, so a perfect early October Saturday for football. Thanks again to Iowa Radio play-by-play voice Gary Dolphin for joining us this week. Next week, we head to Champaign-Urbana for another 12 noon kickoff against Brandon Peters and the Fighting Illini. So on Tuesday, we'll have our game day show with scheduled guest Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic Detroit. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, we hope to have Illinois radio play-by-play voice Brian Barnhart. So make sure you join us again next week. That will do it for now. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Think victory, beat Iowa. Enjoy the game, everyone. And have a great Wolverine weekend. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.